Welcome to the BE Podcast, a weekly podcast for the church dedicated to discussing theology for everyday life. Join in the conversation with Pastor Jonathan Gallardo and Pastor Henry Cruz. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Gallardo, Pastor of Vida Abundante Cicero, and I'm with Henry Cruz. And welcome back to our podcast once more. We hope that you had a great Christmas celebration. I think I did see a couple of people on church on Sunday. Yep. That I was kind of expecting weren't going to be. Now I'm playing. I, I, I honestly thought that they were all going to be there. And I think I did see all of the people there. That you thought were going to be there. No. Yeah, that I thought were, were going to be there. But that was great to celebrate Christ, to preach the gospel, to talk about the good news that Christ came down to save sinners. It's an awesome time. Awesome celebration. Family. Did you get together with your family? Yep. A lot of, uh, a lot of presents. Yep. Kids were happy. Ate good. And yeah, it was a good time. A lot of good stuff. Did you yep. get what you wanted or not? Or you don't know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't. We, we celebrate our children. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Uh, parents usually don't. You know, yeah. we get we get socks and uh, sandals and <laughs> that's about it. Uh, well, welcome back to our podcast. And again, thank you for joining us and uh, following us through the state of theology. The questions that we've been talking about this on the state of theology that is a website that we've been going to called the state of theology.com and we've been evaluating each statement and the responses of more than three thousand people that consider themselves evangelicals uh how they responded to each of these statements and we're simply reacting to these responses and giving the correct answer and a little bit of insight on each statement. So if you have yet to listen to the previous podcast, I'd encourage you to go back, download some of the podcasts that started on the state of theology, uh, try to do the actual survey yourself online. Mm -hmm. But if you can, and if you're just listening in the car on your way to work, on your way to school or on your way back, just listen in. We'll say the statement, try to answer it, put, put the podcast on pause Answer the question for yourself and see if you were right or wrong. So we are now on statement 21. And you can actually use your phone while you're doing this. If you're in the bus or in the train, just go to the stateoftheology.com and you can access it. And you can see and read the actual statement while you're listening to the podcast at the same time. So back to statement 21. Here we go. There will be a time... When Jesus Christ returns to judge all the people who have lived. Now, take a minute to answer this. Welcome back. So what's the answer to this and how do the people respond? Yeah, so this the statement is true. And here, 45% strongly agree with this statement that Christ will return to judge everyone who's lived. And 18% strongly disagree with this statement. So yeah, we're obviously here talking about eschatology, the fact that Christ will return. The Bible is clear on this. You know, Christ will judge uh, the living and the dead. And um, yeah, it's clear that everything that we do uh, on this earth, on this life, will, you know, will will be judged by by the Lord. And so uh, it is something that the scriptures talk about. I I know that in our day, the this judging thing, you know, oh, who are you to judge? No one should judge. Only God can judge me. And, and a lot of times people say that very fluently, you know, without actually considering the consequences to the fact that, yeah, only God can judge you. And that should scare you because 
because he's holy and we're not. Um, but because he knows everything about you. Yeah, exactly. So you can't even hide or lie, uh, to God. You can't wiggle away around him. He's just, so yeah, this, this notion of only God can judge me. Sometimes people use that as a, an escape for, for when humans exhort them or, or loved ones exhort them. But yeah, the reality is the Bible talks about this and Christ is the one who, who will judge. And so, um, yeah, the statement again, as mentioned is, is true and, and we need to be mindful of this. And expect that the judgment of Christ, this is what we have to expect. Like we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, yeah. we celebrate his death and resurrection. Uh, but we, we can't mm. forget that not only did God Christ um, incarnate and was born, not only did he die and resurrect, not only did he resurrect and ascend, but he's coming back and he comes back as king and judge. Yeah. You know, the, this is the Christ that we worship who will set in order all things. His justice and his righteous kingdom will reign upon the earth. So he will set in place and put in order everything that has gone wrong mm -hmm. in this world. And you can trust that because Christ is a righteous judge. So don't just think of him as baby Jesus yeah. because of this Christmas season. Don't just think of him as a dying king or a dying messiah. Think about him as a resurrected one, one who sits at the right hand of God and is coming back to judge the living and the dead. Mm. Uh, wonderful. Once more, let's move on to statement number 22. Mm. And here, statement 22 says the following. Worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regular church or attending church. Sorry, let me repeat that one once more. Worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. Take a minute to answer that. Welcome back. What's the answer to this and how do they respond? Yeah, so this is false. Um, your your personal worship with your family does not replace church. Uh, and obviously, I'm not surprised in the sense by this that 35% uh, strongly agree with this statement. Um, and only 10% disagree with it uh, on the other extreme. Everyone else is, I guess, in the middle here. Um, but but again, I'm not surprised because I know so many people who believe that church is not important. Um, I don't need to go to church. And again, I know we, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode with this whole metaverse thing, but there are <laughs> congregations. I know a church that it's called Church Home. Um, and so their whole premise is, we're going to do church online for those that don't want to go to church and we'll have an online pastor and he'll be moderating in the chat. And again, um, and, and usually what people say is, well, you know, uh, when, you know, like Hebrews, when it talks about congregating and, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't stop congregating as some have a custom and, and so on. Usually these pastors go, oh, well, you know, if, if the author of Hebrews, uh, would have had the technology that we would have had today, he would have considered uh, this as a way of having church, you know, uh, Facebook, watching, you know, the sermon through Facebook or YouTube or, or again, watching it in some sort of digital platform where you can just stay at home on your PJs and, and, yeah. and, and, uh, and yeah, and chat and, and whatever. And, and again, it's just, it doesn't, you know, staying at home is not real church. Uh, and then this whole notion of, well, I can see God on my own. I can seek God at home, which you should, and it's true. But there's only one place where you can gather together with a group of believers, a body of believers, and it's in the local church 
context and there's nowhere else that you can do this and uh and then there are certain things you know and i don't want to get too much into this but there are certain things that you can only do in a local church one of them being communion uh it's why you know when we had covid uh and we shut down for a little bit uh we never took communion from home we never told people what a lot of people are saying oh you don't have bread don't worry about it go grab some hot cheetos and coffee and you're all good <laughs> as if the bread and wine aren't symbolic of something exactly. and so but again that's the issue once you go trendy and cool and and modern even the symbolism behind something like communion uh and what the bread and 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 the blood symbolize or the the cup symbolize um you even lose that and so yeah there are certain things that we do as a body but but again, I know I maybe went a little longer on here, but yeah, your worship with your own family, as good as it is, and as much as you should do it, does not replace yeah. attending church. It, it, it's a, I think it's a question of convenience and comfort, yeah. especially in our society, post-COVID society, where people don't even want to go to work. Yep. They just want to stay home and work from home, and they, they want everything to be that way. It's all about convenience, no sacrifice, no... Uh, uh, no even just motivation to get up mm -hmm. out of your house with your kids to go to a place that was designed for worship. Mm -hmm. This is a place that God has instituted through his word by showing us the church, the ecclesia, the gathering, the assembly of the saints uh, to the, for the worship of God. I, I, I always, you know, as, as, a, as a lover of church history, I remember the that that great picture that uh, Eusebius, a church historian of the fourth century, uh, painted from the Council of Nicaea. Mm. So he 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 writes that all these uh, roughly three hundred—I can't remember the exact number—three to three hundred and fifty bishops from all over uh, the 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 continent were were gathering together in Nicaea. To, because Constantine had finally encouraged them to come out because he's legalizing Christianity yeah. at that time. And so a lot of these guys, Eusebius says that, you know, they were all gathering and most of them were missing a leg, were missing an mm. arm, had the scars of being tortured and tormented because prior to Constantine, every emperor was kind of uh, persecuting yeah. and, and beating and killing the church. And so Eusebius's depiction of, of, of all of these bishops gathering together was a spectacular event because they're coming out of the shadows. Mm -hmm. They were in the underground church, and now they have this opportunity to even talk about theology and get it right against the Arians. So for me to look at the church today and, and examine their comfort level and say, you know what, it's better for you. If you want to just stay home, that's fine. It, it just flies in the face of church history it's not what the church was designed for, and it has no sacrifice involved. Mm. So we must gather as a sacrificial body uh, to worship the the God that sacrificed his son for us. Yeah. So much more we could say. Yep. But again, all of these statements just kind of trigger me at yeah. times. <laughs> especially when I see the vanilla Christians, the <laughs> mundane, boring Christians in the middle that are kind of like, and I, I don't know, I guess. Right. And it's just like, man, you know, why? Why even call yourself a Christian mm -hmm. if you don't even think church is important? Yeah. But let's move on. Statement number 23. Ooh. Here we go. I'm going to I'm just going to let you uh, free flow on this one. But here's the statement. Christians should be silent on issues of politics. Take a minute to answer that. 
welcome back. What's the answer and how do they respond? Yeah, this this is false. And 17% strongly agree that Christians should be silent. So here, pretty good. 40% disagree with the statement, which again is, is false. Um, I think, well, I don't think it, it's just more of a, a fact that, you know, when Christians are silent on political issues is often out of fear of man um, and, and fear of the culture really going after you. Um, yeah, just afraid of, 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 of being disliked or being in our day canceled or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, you, you see it in our culture where, you know, if, if something is popular, a lot of pastors want to speak on it. So I remember during the BLM marches oh, yeah. and protests and all this stuff, so many pastors putting up, um, the, when, when Instagram did this whole, you know, like put a black circle on your, oh, on your, on your profile picture or the, yeah. yeah, the square. And so a lot of people were doing that and putting it on their stories because again, that was a popular thing. And obviously we, we recognize racism is wrong, evil, whatever. Um, and we recognize that, but again, a lot of pastors jumped on that, um, because it was a popular thing. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to like transgenderism and when it comes to LGBT movements and abortion, abortion these same pastors stay quiet because now, yeah, now you're going to be an enemy of the state and you don't want to get canceled. You don't want people in your church getting upset and leaving. The young and, people and, yeah, in the and church. And the young people, yeah. The woke crowd. Yeah, the, yeah. And so, and, and that's honestly, so when pastors are silent, it's because they're afraid but on the other hand, you don't teach your church. And, you know, I'll let you mention this a little bit, but, or, or speak on this, but your church needs to learn how to think biblically. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why sometimes it doesn't know how to do that is because pastors are just silent when they shouldn't be. And there are, there are, especially in America and the United States, we need more of pastors rising up and really saying, look, abortion's wrong. Feminism is wrong. Um, you know, this idea of there are no roles and, and a woman can be a man. Just think about that. Like for a second, the, 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 the heart of the feminist movement is not be more womanly. It's yeah. be more manly. And <laughs> that's just, you know, it's counter logic. Like how can women celebrate the fact that feminism calls women to be men? Like, it's just ridiculous. But again, so many celebrate that um and so again when 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 pastors are silent on this issue yeah they don't know what the bible says on it they don't know where to land on these things and i know that the the following questions maybe not in this episode but in the other one are going to deal with moral things like abortion and and we'll look at some of those and see where people landed but at the end of the day when we stay silent on this that's why the church doesn't know how to answer these moral questions that the bible does talk about yeah uh, the prophet Isaiah calls them silent dogs. Oh, mm. and in Spanish, I love the way it sounds. Yeah. Perros mudos. Yep. If, if you can't Mute. roll your roll your <laughs> R's in Spanish, just give it a shot. Yeah, perros mudos. It's mm. more emphatic. Yeah, but yeah. Silent dogs, man. They don't. They're they're blind watchmen. They they can't see the danger. They can't avoid, or they can't teach the danger, or that danger's coming or approaching or on the on the forefront of of for the people. They have to watch out for mm -hmm. that. And if you're not a watchman for your congregation then you know yeah they can they can get swept up by so many things that are out there on the i guess on the other side of it i i, I think some pastors overdo it yeah they're, you know they're they're trying Every to week. <laughs> get into politics you know they're trying to have governors politicians come to their pulpits they're, they're trying to 
racist Christian nationalism mm-hmm. and trying to get Christians in, po- in politics. You know, we're not called to overrun the government. We're not called to overrule the government. We're called to pray for the government. Mm-hmm. And um, not because we're going to have Christians in the government is going to make it better. Yeah. We had had so many presidents that had considered themselves Christians and nothing got better. So it's not in the president. It's not in the government to bring peace to the people, to establish uh, a calm atmosphere that that will never be the case because we're in a sinful world run by sinful people. We need the Prince of Peace to come and him for him to reign. So, yeah, stop trying to take over the government. Uh, Pray for your government and pray for your leaders. Pray for your president, but don't try to take over. Right. Let you know, God's going to establish his kingdom one day, hopefully soon. (laughs) Next question. Or statement, sorry. Every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. We kind of talked about this a little bit. So what's your answer to this? Take a couple of minutes. All right. Welcome back. Yeah, and this is true. Um, And uh, 18% again agree with this statement that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. 36% disagree. That's low. That's very low. That's incredibly low, even for modern evangelicals right which which is interesting because on the other question 35 percent agreed that you know oh no sorry i i got it wrong yeah so they were wrong on both on both of them <laughs> yeah but wow. yeah again i just think here is people don't want accountability we didn't talk about that but but that's part of an aspect here of, of church i want to do church my way i want to do christianity my way and when you're in a local church, especially if you're in a, a member of a local church that values membership yep. um, more than just this slogan of belong before you believe, but that they actually put you through a process where they 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 see where you're at in your Christian walk, if you know what salvation is, and all these other you know aspects doctrinally uh, that that involve a local church. But but a lot of Christians just you know disagree with this because they also don't want accountability. They well, I mean, a lot of local churches they they adhere to a biblical. Uh, perspective on giving and right. you give, yep. you give to your local church, you give financially to yeah. your local church, you support missions yep. of the local church, you support, you support the work of the local church. And a lot of people don't like it when your pocketbook gets touched. Yep. So, you know, if I don't go, then I don't need to give. listen to that yep. or give yep. and feel guilty about it. I don't, I don't think people feel guilty anymore anyway, but uh, that's a huge issue, but you cannot sever yourself from the head of the church. Christ is the head. We are the body and we must be united together. Mm-hmm. Last statement here, my friends, for this podcast, uh, and it says sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. True or false? What's your answer? Uh, welcome back. What's the answer here and what's the response? Yeah, so the answer here is true. Sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. Uh, 33% strongly agree. Wow, 33% of evangelicals of people that go to church agree with but this you see statement. the problem here is with the 20 percent that somewhat agree what does yeah. that mean yeah. <laughs> like you could kind of have sex yeah. or like yeah yeah yeah, right and that's go to the, third base right or what does that mean <laughs> like how do how do we understand these you know middle christians here yeah yeah again i don't i don't get it it's i mean other than it reveals what this is revealing is so many lukewarm Christians exist. Um, but yeah, they're 29% strongly disagree with the statement, but, but again, you know, it's, it's just, it's weird how, how these questions are being answered, but yeah, sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. Um, it's called fornication. Yeah. It's called fornication. fornication. And again, there's so much that we could say here about 
how the culture views marriage to begin with. A lot of people don't want to get married. A lot of young people don't want to get married, um, but they want all the benefits of a married life, which include sexual intercourse. And and yeah, at the end of the day, um, I just think that sometimes, you know, for me, it's important not just to emphasize, yeah, the Bible speaks against this, but ultimately this is for our good. So many teenagers and, and even older people are walking around with broken hearts, damaged hearts, exactly. because they had sex outside of marriage. They gave their all to, to, to someone who then ended up breaking their heart or just going with someone else or sleeping around or whatever. And again, we need to realize that some of these commands, more than just law, because that's the way we want to view it in our mm-hmm. sinful nature, is like, man, I can't do anything. God doesn't let me do anything. But ultimately, these things are for our good. And so we need to realize, you know, we're married. We understand the value of this, of, of intimacy in marriage. Um, and and there is a value to it, but it's, it, it's even more valuable when, when there's a love and a care that goes beyond just a sexual desire, when you're actually caring for someone's heart, when you're caring for someone's life and not just simply, well, yeah, you know, uh, let me have sex and then leave, which is, and again, a lot of people are walking around damaged because they've had sex before or, or outside of marriage and the person broke up with them and now they have this, they feel like they were used. Um, so this is for our good and it is a sin and you need to be mindful uh, of that. And you need to repent if you're doing it. Yes. And you need to stop if you're doing it. So uh, if you're out there, you're listening to us. Yeah, it's uh, you got to stop. This is not uh, uh, something to be playing around with, but just stop what you're doing. Repent, ask for forgiveness and do it no more. Uh, it, you know, going along what you were saying mm-hmm. it, it's it's the freedom in marriage to be with someone and intimate with your forever spouse yeah. i mean you you go back to these teenagers you know and they're and even college kids that are going crazy on this like they got to worry about getting pregnant then they have to worry about whether or not they're going to kill the baby or mm-hmm. not kill the baby and then suffer the trauma of those decisions they have to worry about vds they have to worry about what they're going to say or if they're going to get exposed, if they're going to get recorded and put on the internet. Yeah. I mean, none of that is dealt with when you're confined to the marriage bed. Mm-hmm. You're free. You, 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 you're able to enjoy it because that's what God designed for the marriage. So enjoy that in marriage. But if you're doing it now, stop, repent and seek help. Well, thank you once more for listening to this podcast. We still have a couple of more questions uh, in further podcasts. But again, go to the State of Theology. Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys had a great holiday and uh, we'll see you soon in the new year. Thanks for joining in. I'd like to ask you to help us grow our audience. You can do that by sharing our podcast, following it, or liking it in the platform you are using. Also, Follow us on Twitter at BeTheEnglishPod to interact with our hosts. For any other detail, visit BeTheAvoDatChurch.com.